good to be with you again today, and I hope that you are enjoying these uh, various videos that tell you about disaster relief and Dixie Jackson and and uh, all the different uh, things that are going on in Arkansas. It's a it's a privilege for me being employed by you to have seen and be witness to many of those, and to even have had family members who have been flooded out when my niece called and said, uh, Uncle Bob, we just stepped out of the boat in the second floor of, of our house, and that's where the boat landed on their house uh, on the Arkansas River several, a couple of years ago, and, and different things that occurred, and, and disaster relief is one of the many, many things that Dixie Jackson, and I know that you've got stuff, you've got uh, uh, prayer concerns, I hope that you'll get pick up one of those in an offering envelope, and that you will obviously support your local church first, okay? This is not something that you take away from your local church and, and everything, but you support your local church first, and then you uh, give uh, as God leads you to toward Dixie Jackson. All of us can uh, at least do a hamburger or something like that, you know, and hopefully uh, much, much more. And, and to see some of the workers when they would call and and uh, a man by the name of Moose, and I won't go into too much more details, but Moose, when he was working uh, on one of our deployments, looked down the street and the electricity had gone off and different things had heard and, and they realized a house was on fire. And they rushed down there, seeing that house, and the neighbors began screaming, there's two ladies in there. And one of them's in a wheelchair. And they went in and quickly saw the one sister coming out, uh, trying to get out, uh, but she was saying, I can't find my sister. I can't find my sister. And anyway, Moose went in. Uh, the house was pretty much engulfed in flames and smoke. And he could hear the lady's voice. I'll never forget you know, you have some of those personal things. You, he could hear the lady's voice, but the smoke was so intense that he couldn't see her. And he said, I knew it was just seconds before he himself was going to be succumbed by the smoke. And, and he said, I'm trying to get down. I'm trying to look. And he said, all of a sudden, I prayed. And I was praying, and I said, well, I can't find her. And the smoke cleared, and there she was about 15 feet in front of him. And he said, I ran up to where she was. I grabbed the front of the wheelchair, didn't even have time to get back, and pulled it out and uh, saved her. And, uh, another man gave CPR to a dog. I don't know if I've told this story or not, but I have to tell that every once in a while. I won't tell you who that is either. And the dog lived. Uh, but uh, that is what happens every day. And then lives that are changed, so... Uh, thank you for praying for Dixie Jackson this month. Thank you for giving uh, as God leads you to. Thank you for watching uh, these videos and seeing about our pregnancy care centers and um, Baptist Collegiate Ministries and all those kind of things. Well, thank you. I hope you have a happy Labor Day. It's good to see you. It's good to, to be with you. My, my better half uh, stayed uh, with the two-year-old today. So you know kind of how the ranking order goes when the grandkids come in and uh, there at the house, uh, you and I get bumped, okay? But uh, 
See, that's where she is, but she's praying for us as well. I hope you have your copy of God's Word. Open it with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, this could be a challenging day because Welda's not here to tell me to cut it off. All right? And I know it's Labor Day weekend, and, and you have uh, people that are probably visiting, gone different places, uh, ball games in the lake and different things. Uh, but uh, you'll have to help me. I promise we'll be out of here by breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> Hadn't broke that promise yet. First Corinthians chapter 3, when we read in this chapter, and, and even in the first book of First Corinthians, we realize that the local believers were struggling. They, they didn't know what was going on in every situation. They had different people that was kind of leading in different ways and it was just it was just one of those times where they were they really weren't being the body of Christ as we sing about they were being the splintered group if you will and uh, they this group over here this group over here this you know uh, different things and so Paul addresses that and if you have your copy of God's word and would stand out of reference with me if you can uh, we will read beginning verse 1, verse 9 is our key verse, but verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For where one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But they're rather ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. Now I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, so that neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward, According to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You're God's field. You're God's building. If you have just the King James Version, it is we are laborers together with God. Verse 10 According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another person builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Join with me as we pray. Father, we want to lift up the name of Jesus. We want to follow him as we've sung. Uh, I have decided to follow Jesus. Lord, I pray that was not just words that, that one of us or several of us said, but Lord, it was a deep personal conviction of each one of our hearts that the best that we can, that we want to follow you. Lord, you know everything about each one of us. You know everything that we need. You know what we're going through. You know the struggles of life. You know the successes of life. You know everything that's going on. And God, you are God. There is no other foundation. There is no other name. There is no other hope that we have than you. So Lord, would you speak into our hearts today. Allow your Holy Spirit to minister to each one of us, whether we're sitting in this building or we're listening through some other means. God, you speak. We ask it all in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Paul, as we said, is addressing a group of people that struggle, and any group that has a job to do realize that there is a job to be done, there's a time frame for that job normally, and then there's a purpose for that job. And we, we understand as we read the Bible that God has a purpose for each one of us. John 3.16 says it very clearly to all of us who we are that God so loved you, God so loved me, that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus, that whoever, whichever one of us would believe in Him, would not perish, would not go away into eternity without Jesus, eternity without God, but that we would have everlasting life. Wonderful verse. Probably one of the most famous verses in, in all of Scripture. But he also says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages, what you and I have earned as our labor, the wages of our sin is to be separated from this loving, holy, heavenly Father that gave each one of us life. You earned that. So did I. You earned it naturally. You earned it by your own choices. Your parents didn't do it. Uh, that little wonderful two-year-old grandson at my house uh, is having to learn no. No. And he'll come up to me ever so often, and he'll look at me as I've said, Bennett, no, we can't do that. And he'll go, Daddy, no, 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 no. And the Holy Spirit's looking at us, calling us by name, and telling us about our sinfulness, no, 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 no. That's not what God wants for you. The wages of our sin is to be separated from God, but the gift of God, not something we earn, the gift of God is everlasting life. It's that peace, that comfort, that, that knowledge that even though things may be going difficult in our life, that we're going to be all right. And it's to have a full and meaningful life today, not just out there in the future, but today. Now, I have friends, you probably have friends or relatives or neighbors that are not with us any longer on the face of this earth. That's a happened some, not immediate, but people that I know and love, people that have been struggling with health, people that have had cancer, people that have had heart disease, uh, some of them just totally out of the blue. Uh, I had a young man, a 40-year-old guy that I go to church with there in North Little Rock, and just out of the blue, he went home to heaven. Wonderful Christian man. And we, we go, wow, what, what was the timing on that, God? We don't understand all that. But he has a full and meaningful life, and Brian would tell us today, hey, I'm in a lot better place than you guys are. I'm in heaven. And that's what Jesus wanted for me. And God will make a way where there seems to be no way till that time comes for us and for His kids and us. We're the body of Christ, remember? We love each other. We care for each other. We're, we're there. And so God says in John 10, I'm, Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly, that I might give you life, that I might give you peace, even in difficulties. I'm going to be there to walk with you. This is not your home. 
This is just the pathway, the journey that we're going through. And then he tells us that beautiful passage in John chapter 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is preparing a mansion for you, a home for you. He's preparing a place for me that, that every time I throw out my fishing pole, I'll catch a 10-pound bass. Every time I go deer hunting, there'll be a 20-point buck. Uh, every time I do any, it'll be wonderful. And, and we can't imagine how wonderful a sinless life will be up in heaven. Now, some people picture us sitting with a harp in heaven on clouds. Eh, I'm, I'm not quite there. It's okay if that's your picture. But you just picture the best thing that you can have, the best thing that you can have, and it doesn't even come close to what your heavenly home is going to be like. The best meal that you ever ate is going to, eh, not even going to be an appetizer to the meals you're going to serve up there. The best friends, the best love, the best, everything is going to be better. And so that's God's purpose and God's plan, and, and that's what He wants for us. And so when we get to this point, Paul looks at all these splintered believers that are kind of going different directions, some of them over here at Paul, some of them here over at Paula, some of them want blue carpet in the church, some of them want red carpet in the church, some of them want the service to start at 10, some of it want them to start at 12, some of them want this, some of them... You know, we're people. I had a lady come up to me after a message that I preached like this one time. She said, Preacher, for the first time I realized how terrible I am in church. And I thought, uh-oh. And she said, you know, I, I fussed about this at church and that at church and the flowers and what meals we had and how long the preacher preached and what messages or songs we sang. And she said, you know, I don't even like my house. I keep changing my house over and over and over. What, what right do I have to talk about God's house? Sometimes you just let people share their own stories, you know, and go with it. So we, we think about what is the most important thing, focus, for us as believers. I've decided follow Jesus. Pick up my cross, follow Jesus, wherever that is. So Paul, when he says this, gives us some little things, and I'll, I'll try to go quickly. First of all, he says we. We includes everybody. All of us have a task to do in the kingdom of God. All of us are part of the family. There's no inferior member. There's no lesser member. There's no anybody that's more important. Each one of us has a job. Each church in the family of God, in the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, or in any association that proclaims Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the only name whereby we can be saved. Anybody that's following God's word that's doing that, whether they work on Tuesday night or meet on Tuesday night or Wednesday or they meet on Sunday morning or they wear blue jeans or they play drums or they play whatever. If Jesus is King of kings, that's we. We've got a job to do. That's why we, as Southern Baptists, I think, have it so pretty close together. It's us. 
we're not all the same. I've mentioned there's different uh, nationalities, there's different languages, there's different time frames, uh, there's different ways that we do things. We, we are. It's an action verb. It's not, man, we might be, or we used to be. It's not the good old days. We are the body of Christ today at this point in this location right now. You're alive because God wants you to be alive as His child right now doing what He wants you to do, hopefully. We are. And it's uh, so many times that we, we forget that. It's not that we, well, we might be in the future. Hopefully we all have the idea of improving, but we are. Too many church workers feel that what they've done in the past is over. I'm, I'm a, a retired person now, I guess, and so I don't know about this Labor Day. I used to like Labor Day because that was the day off from work. Now I'm off every day. You, some of you folks that have retired are going to have to help me out with that, you know. I don't get a, a holiday do I, anymore. It's just keep on going. But we are. We are laborers. We are workers. If you're breathing today, God's not finished with you. Okay? If you're breathing... Even if you're laying flat in a bed, even if difficulties are there, God's not finished with you. When God is through with you on earth, like that, in a moment, in a twinkling, you'll be caught up into heaven because your earthly troubles are over. But God's not finished with you or me. I saw some people driving today and they were driving erratically. And I slowed down and let them go on their way as best I could because I didn't know what they were drinking or smoking or what was going on in their life. And my thought was, Lord, I don't know what's happening in that car up there, but I hope they don't wreck or something like that. that they may not know you. Or maybe there's some other issue there and they're having a heart attack or, or trouble. We are laborers. If we're breathing, something's going on. And so, so we have to think that's, a, that's important. Christianity, there's no vacation. Christianity, there's no holiday where we can take off and say, well, somebody else has got to do that. I think Awana either started last week or starts this week, right? This week. You need to be involved in Awana. You say, oh, them kids. Oh, I can't handle them kids. Okay. Maybe them kids don't want you to be there, but you can pray for the little angels. Some of them need to be prayed for because they're little demons when they come in and they need to be changed over. Some of us need to realize that we need to be involved in, in some way of helping them to know are their parents. We found out years ago that one of the neat things to, to try to do was when they're 
parents came up and just dropped off the kids and then went off. Instead of us thinking, well, they're just using us for a babysitter, we began to think this is the way that we can get into mom and dad and grandparents. This is a way that we can help their kids to have such a good time that it'll, it'll be there. And there were times when, uh, as the director of Awana or whatever, I had to remind myself that as I was holding one of those little angels who was kicking me in the shins and doing those kind of things. We're laborers. Now, there's four things I want us to think about in labor, and we'll go pretty quickly. Some people are not working at all. They claim to be part of the family of God, and maybe they are. I'm not going to say they're not. They may never have joined God's workforce. They may have walked forward and made some decision, but Scripture tells us very clearly, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Some people are on our church rolls, and we hadn't seen them in years. They're not working at all. It's not that they're just not here. They're just not working at all. I classify those people as possibly lost people that I need to keep witnessing to and help them to come back in. Not run them away. Years ago, I had worked and worked and worked and had a man who finally came to church on Easter and uh, several of the other men as they met him I'm sure they didn't mean anything, but they didn't think about it. They walked in, they said, Yeah, look up here, the roof didn't fall in when you you walked in. The last time he walked in that church building. Some of us are not working at all. We need to realize, some of us are working independently. We're not working with God and His grace and His knowledge. We kind of have the Elijah complex that, the Lord, I'm doing all of this, and but I'm the only one that's there. And, and that's not the Southern Baptist way. That's not, that's not your church's way. We don't want to just work independently. We want to work specifically with our gifts, but we want to work in a body of group. Some people are not working. Some people are working independently. Some people in churches are working against God. They've lost sight of what God's purpose is. They said, well, those, those, those little kids coming in here, all they do is mess up our building. They don't wipe their feet off. They don't pick up their trash. They spill their red Kool-Aid on our carpet. And it's more about me than it is about God. You ever been there? more interested in your way instead of God's way. I think all of us, all of us have been there at times. I want it to be just my way. James, I want you just to sing songs I like. I want the service to go just the length of time I want it to be. I want to park in just this point. This is all about me. I don't know if I've told you this story, but it's a classic true story. When I was pastor at First Baptist Marvel, been there about five years, God began moving, and I was working with a committee to go to First Baptist Church Whitehall in eastern Arkansas when 
somebody visits, everybody knows it's somebody new. I mean, I don't know all of you, and so if there's somebody that's visiting with you, uh, you may know that they're visiting, but I, I don't know. Well, at First Baptist Marvel, everybody knew if we had a guest. And so I told these people, I said, now, you can't come to the church uh, and hear me preach. I'll go somewhere else, or we'll do whatever, making sure that this is what God wants us to do before uh, we let the church, because if the church knows that I'm even praying with you about it, uh, my ministry is really going to put back, and I don't want to slow, slow down what God does. Okay? Okay. So you got it. You kind of understand that. If you've ever served on a search team or a search committee, you know how you kind of have to work in, in those ways. Well, anyway, we got down to the very final, and one of those five men said, I have got to come to hear you preach in your local church. We talked for several weeks. I said, you know, let's be sure that everything is lined up for me to go or, you know, it's going to be different. Anyway, long story short, five men with black suits, white shirts, and black ties walk into an East Arkansas church. Now, just look across your congregation. You see anybody with a black coat, white shirt, and a black tie on? No. They all walked in. They all sat on one pew got there early, sit on one pew, to be inconspicuous. Everybody knew what was going on, me included. I'm up on the platform. In walks one of our sweet little ladies on her walker. She gets up to where the pew is that they are sitting on, which is Miss Mary's pew. Everybody knows that's Miss Mary's pew, except for those five men. Out loud, she stops. We've already started the service, already singing. She looks at me, she looks at them, she looks back at, at them the second time, and she says these words. I know you're here for my preacher. You can have him, but you cannot sit on my pew. <laughs> True story. Now, you're the preacher, and you get up and preach. She was a great friend. She didn't, she didn't want me to leave, but she wasn't in what God was moving and doing. Some of us are working against God. It's all about us and not about what God wants. Some of us are working. The Bible says we are Labors. When I read it in the New King James, it says we are God's fellow workers. In other words, we're working together with Him. We're laborers together is what the King James Version said. God's not divided. The Holy Spirit and Jesus uh, and God don't have a problem. They're working the same way, doing the same things. And a church has got to have common goals, common interests to utilize various gifts we're all different, but we're all pulling for lost people to come to know Jesus. Amen? And that's why we're here. A man several years ago had five, seven sons. And he had a large farm. And he knew that his life was about over. And he pulled his seven sons in. And he said, boys, I know... Uh, 
y'all are kind of squabbling about who's going to get what. And he said, I just want you to know that I built this for the family, for, for us, and I hope you'll keep working together. I want you to stay united. I know you, you may have some land, you may have some land, giving you different parts and different things, but, but I want you to stay together. And you could tell the boys were thinking, no, I want, I want more land than him. I want more of this. I, that tractor's mine. This. And so the father was kind of upset, and he reached down, and he pulled a piece of straw up out of the ground, and kind of a stick, and he handed it to the youngest boy. He said, hey, can you break this? And the son just snapped it. Sure I can. So then the father kept reaching down, and he kept pulling up sticks, and he he got about six or seven of them, and he reached in his pocket, and he pulled out some string, and he started wrapping that string around those sticks. And he started talking about how together, working together, they would be stronger. They could rely on each other if one of them got sick, or one of them's tractor didn't start, or something happened. They, they were stronger together than they were apart. And after he rolled that string several times around that, he handed it to the oldest boy. And he said, son, can you break it? Couldn't break it. Classic example of us as a church. What Satan wants to do is separate, divide, get us independently thinking, get us working away from God, get us doing everything else but what God wants us to do. The strength of a church is us all working together with the final point, with God. With God. Nobody's going to defeat God. We're going to win. We don't have to worry about it whether Cincinnati's going to score a touchdown at the last minute and beat the Razorbacks or somebody's going to do this and the Red Wolves are going to lose. We're, we're, we're going to win. It's already been decided. Jesus came out of the grave three days. Sin was defeated. You trust Him, you win. Period. But are we working with God? First Peter says you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. I love that phrase, a peculiar people. Lost people think we're peculiar. That you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy before, but now you have obtained mercy. And so we work at God's speed, at God's timing, in God's plan, and we accomplish what God wants us to do. As I looked at that little two-year-old grandson this morning, I remembered a time years ago when my son, who's a lot bigger and stronger than me now by far, but when he was about four years old, and we were out cutting firewood, and Drew, I, I would cut the firewood with a chainsaw, even though my wife, ladies, I know, my wife told me this. She said, you watch my baby. Don't you let him get near that chainsaw, blah, 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 blah. But I had got it all cut, and so I just went out there to load it all up, okay? So we, we're all good. I got a four-year-old out there, 
and I'm loading firewood, and I'm trying to get it home, uh, but I'm babysitting, and I'm watching the boy. Okay. And so I would get wood and put it on the truck and throw it up there the best I could. And Drew, little four-year-old, wanted to help Daddy. And so he'd gather up some leaves and some twigs, and he'd come put them on the tailgate. Okay, I'd see what he was doing, see where he was going. I'm watching him. I'd gather some more wood, and I'd bring it. He'd gather some more twigs and leaves and throw them up on the tailgate. You know how hard it is to get past twigs and leaves and when you get a big pile on the tailgate, you know? And so I would just do the little fatherly thing of knocking him off the tailgate and just keep watching him. And he, oh, he was busy working. Man, he was busy working. And I was busy working, doing all my kind of things. And, and anybody that's like me that's really intelligent knows that you don't pick up those huge pieces of wood that you're going to split later at home. You're just going, you're just going to get them on the tailgate where you can get them to the splitter, right, guys? Just get them on there. And then drive careful and get them home. So I got all of that on there, and I keep knocking these twigs and these leaves off, and it starts piling up. But it gets to the point to where I've got the, the bottom of the tree. I, I think you call that the butt cut or whatever it is. Some of you guys know. And, and it's too big for me to pick it up. And I'm thinking, well, okay, i got to go get a friend or something and come back later. But me being the preacher and knowing how honest people are, I'm thinking if I drive out of the woods and leave these wonderful pieces of wood, some of my friends are going to come get my wood. And so I, I'm really not wanting to leave them. And I'm sitting there thinking and trying to figure it out. And Drew, four-year-old, Daddy, what are you doing? What's what you doing? And I, I told him, I said, well, son, I... We've got all the wood that we want. He's still putting leaves up there stuff. I'm thinking, don't need that. But he's still putting them up there. And I'm, we got everything except I can't get these big ones. And he kind of steps back, thinks for a minute. He says, Daddy, I got an idea of how we can do this. Okay. He says, why don't you turn them up like a wheel and roll them up? on my stuff that I've put down here and they'll fall over on the tailgate. What he was doing the whole time was accomplishing getting the most important things on the truck. But what I was so frustrated was the way he was doing it. Because I was loading the truck the way Bob wanted to load it. And God had a different plan. I tell you that because sometimes you and I are so frustrated in church because things are not going like we think they should be. But God has a different plan. And those people that are gathering what we think are just non-essential things may turn out to be the very thing that we need to get the most things home. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I don't always know which direction Jesus is going to lead me. 
may have to pick up my cross, I may have to change the way in which God is accomplishing his purpose. I may have to be more open to that. I may have to realize that God is saying to me, what you need to do at this point in your life is pray for that person, is speak to that person, is share with that person, is give to that person, is helping that person. You may need to realize that just like he said in disaster relief, that we can't wait until a disaster occurs and then say, oh, we've got to go buy a diesel and we might need a chainsaw and we might need a generator. We might need that. No, we, we gather those things up early. So when the disaster comes... We can work. We work with those people that have had difficulties. That single lady that now finds herself expecting a child and that man's nowhere to be seen. Or vice versa. We realize that God is working in the lives of people differently. And it's so important. Somebody says, well, is adoption important to you? And I say, yeah. Because my mother-in-law was adopted when her parents didn't want her. My mother-in-law had two little girls. And God had planned for one of those little girls to be my wife. And so... Yeah, it's important. So when Nanny took Billy home, God knew in the future that an old, ugly boy from Sheridan would find a sweet little girl called Welda and ask her to be his wife. And they'd have a wonderful life together. And there'd be three kids that'd come out of that. Preacher kids. And then they'd have six above average grandkids. And who knows how many more is on their way. And then one of those granddaughters would call. And she'd say, Pa Daddy, I've asked Jesus into my life. And my church says, You can come next Sunday and baptize me. And so next Sunday, September the 11th, I'll be at First Baptist Rogers, probably about 6.30. The service doesn't start till 8.30, I don't want to be late. <laughs> we are God's fellow workers, and there is no other foundation, no other name that can accomplish what Jesus can do in my life and in your life, and in the life of every person, it may be years down the road, but somebody will spend eternity because of our faithfulness. So today, do you know Jesus? Have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you decided to be part of His family, maybe part of His church? Have you decided to surrender to ministry that he's calling you to? Have you decided that when Awana happens next week, that even though they haven't asked you, that maybe you just 
show up and say, what can I do? Where can I do it? I'm glad to help. Maybe you can't do that. You're just going to be home or at work or wherever, and you're going to say, I'm going to pray for some little child that I don't even know that lives in my community but may make a difference in the world. I want to be on God's team. I've decided to follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word to us. Thank you, Father, that we can't do anything without you. And Lord, so many times in all of our lives, we've been so guilty of just trying to do it our way. When you had a better way, a different way, maybe we don't even see that way, but we just know your Holy Spirit's calling us at this moment, at this time, to do these things. So, Lord, here on this Labor Day weekend, help us to be your workers. Help us to be your church in this community to follow you. For we ask it all in the name above every name, Jesus Christ. Amen. You stand together. You come as God leads you.